0: Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote maniac and your normal host, Celeste, is not here because she went to a convention and immediately got sick, because that's how conventions work. So instead, I have a full house, so we just want to go around and introduce ourselves.
1: Sure, I'm uh, Reed Reimer. I'm a composer and founder of Fable Factory, the
2: creative studio. I'm Snails. Uh, I'm a a lead designer for the company Action Fiction, uh, and I've worked on projects ranging from 5e to uh, non-5e projects.
3: Uh, I'm Brad. I'm a co-founder of Action Fiction. I'm heading up a lot of the mechanics on uh, Cthulhu Dreamt. I've also worked on a lot of 5e stuff and a lot of non-5e stuff.
0: So one of the things we do for lifting the mental weights is typically we'll just find things on the internet and Often Celeste and I will go more towards the very clickbaity things to then process and like help our listeners say, okay, I know you got you got you either got bamboozled or completely tricked by this ridiculous title, but here's some of the things that we can still learn. So today, though, because I have much more experts than myself in the house, I think we're going to just talk about Cthulhu the whole time. If if anyone's up for that,
1: Uh, my mind is ready.
0: (laughs) Done. Okay, so I have. There is an article, and you'll you'll find it in the show notes. Proverbally, I'll point down there, but it's a podcast. Imagine me pointing. <laughs> uh, and I have linked over to DM Dave's take on adding Cthulhu to Dungeons and Dragons. And I would say, I think my first question, and we can we can go around with this, is what is the one thing, if you were going to add Cthulhu to your D and D game, like what is the one thing you want to make sure happens?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't want to cop anything out, but being like a Cthulhu fanboy, I would like the party would immediately
0: die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I think the maybe this is obvious, but I'd want a player or four to be involved with Cthulhu somehow. I I think otherwise, you can add Cthulhu to any you can just say Cthulhu exists and then, you know, the the party completely ignores anything there. But the old Lovecraft stories and a lot of the stuff that's inspired by him sort of has to do with the process of slowly losing your mind or dealing with or dealing with having like uh, I think about the color from out of space um, or the Dunwich horror where things sort of start off normal and then slowly get weirder and weirder and weirder. I think that that is sort of the vibe that I would want to go for uh, if I were to have a Cth- Cthulhu centric campaign
2: uh i'm a little weird in that if i was going to add cthulhu i i would not want to add uh cthulhu into my campaign as like a creature that my players could fight uh, i think i would want the big thing that i would want to like bring in like the one thing would be the feeling of like a natural disaster whereas like cthulhu is a thing that happens to the the world around you because you're supposed to be so much smaller than him and like you're like ants to him i i feel like really having the players deal with like the effects of him existing would be the thing that I would want I would want to focus on.
0: I well first off I love all of those answers because my thought is yeah you you died. <laughs> Have fun. But I mean but that can easily be the start of a story. Yeah the other thing is and I feel like it's been a really long time since it's come up is you can show your players something on this level and still not have them interact with it for a while because it could either be rumors or it could be in the the far distance that Cthulhu has risen things have happened but you're still just living your day-to-day life sort of thing so I like yeah all of those and again yeah the second you add hit points means it can die so that's always it's always an interesting thing in the same way that if if you don't want someone to roll a one or a 20, then you can't have them roll because inevitably that's what they will roll. So the all of those things. Oh, oh man, there's so many, oh, there's so many good options. The so one of the things is that they've added, so DM Dave has done this. And I think it, this is also the idea that either your party is very large or has more than 20 levels because their travel pace they put it in miles per hour and i really don't know what to do with that initially because i'm like no this is a square based grid what do you (laughs) mean eight miles an hour like what's what's the grid translation for that so yeah i think would you would you ever have your players fight directly i don't i and my gut answer is no but yeah just check in check in the room would you have your players fight cthulhu straight up
3: I think in a game like D&D 5e that is designed to be heroic fantasy after they've done a full campaign of, you know, 220 or beyond potentially, I think I might as a way to end the campaign because D&D is a genre that is intended to be people taking on things they otherwise should not be able to take on, right? It's meant to be heroic. Cthulhu ends up being sort of a weird thing to throw in there, though, because he I think, na- narratively, narratively, even, if you will, <laughs> uh, Cthulhu really shines in an environment where he is, or they are, presumably, elder gods are beyond gender, and uh, our concept of pronouns, they are incalculable, beyond anything that we could even conceive, inconceivable, even, if you will.
0: Well, I think that, that that lends itself towards the same, like some of the basic concepts behind some of the times that gods in Faerun, which you've forgotten realms as your prime example, is that oftentimes when they show up, it's an avatar of them. Even in spite of the grandiose size that Cthulhu often arrives via the ocean, even that could be conceptually an avatar. Once you're thinking of this and, you know, where would Cthulhu originally exist in the infinite vastness of wherever that may be. So even though, you know, this is a, what is it? A 5,000 hit point creature that we're staring <laughs> at on this side of thing with a threshold of 100, which I think in turn means if you didn't do 101 damage, you did zero damage. <laughs> but the idea that that could even even still be but an avatar um, and even defeating that is only you know is this just a the the concept of a tarasque turned up to eleven thousand?
1: Yeah, and that makes sense. And like to piggyback on Brad too, um, you know, D and D. When you play it long enough, you know, you your your character can get to almost like a godlike level. So, what better way to like? test that metal than to pit yourself against, you know, an elder one. So like I could totally see that being just a completely fun, you know, and really just intense scenario, you know, with a party of godlike friends and, you know, whatever, uh, to just see how that fantasy uh, would play out.
3: A quick point to the nature of Cthulhu being sort of larger than life. DM Dave has put Cthulhu's height a thousand feet tall right after his his alignment, which is just giving, just so funny to me, the idea that he's chaotic evil and that's partially because he's so big. Because Like the taller you are, the closer you are (laughs) to being evil is sort of the implication there. It's just something that I saw that I, I wanted to throw out, but slightly more to the point, Can't treat Cthulhu like a normal monster. I think because he can speak all languages at once to everybody in a five mile radius because he's got five thousand hit points because he's a thousand feet tall. Like you were saying, Reed, you sort of I think it's for like a like one final go out in a blaze of glory type situation. Really test that metal, do or die.
2: One thing DM Dave does here that I do like because Cthulhu is so big, he treats the different body parts as like their own individual encounters and i think that's kind of like if i was going to have my party go up and actually fight up against cthulhu that's kind of how i would treat it where it's each piece of him is like an individual encounter sort of shadow of the colossus style where you're fighting your way through and up to just even get at the parts that are important personally i think i wouldn't have my party fight him straight at least straight up i think there would need to be some kind of ritual. Or something to like bind Cthulhu into a more a form that's easier to deal with because <laughs> what DM Dave has here <laughs> is truly beyond ridiculous in terms of like <laughs> power scale and creep there's an old like th- uh, proverb from th- the third edition which is if you said it they'll kill it and you mentioned that earlier and I don't know I can't see as the average party killing this particular incarnation of the great <laughs> old one You've got effects like mind blast that deal 20 D 10 plus 10 psychic damage. Uh, and if you si- to save a 20 20- DC 27 intelligence savings there, you permanently fall unconscious, conscience. Uh, and that's just an action for this guy. So I'm not saying that the DM Dave hasn't created a accurate representation of what going up against a great hold one would feel like. Uh, but I think it's a, a prime example of why if you're thinking about bringing this guy into your game, like straight, like a, a straight up fight is probably not the way to go. Probably something dealing with a cult uh, of his could be just as rewarding and just as challenging and more manageable for your players to deal with. You know, questing for the pieces of a ritual to like bind him into a mortal form where he can be killed and he doesn't have a damage threshold of one thousand, one hundred and five thousand hit points. I think can still be just as heroic
0: yeah and i I think the other thing now that I'm looking at it in that separation, one of the only ways I could feasibly see doing this is almost like a, a, a epic like where you're going to like a your local store and you're you know this is being put on almost as more of an event than anything else, and each of the several level twenty parties is one's going <laughs> here one's yeah. going there one's doing this <clears throat> is there a you know yet another one doing that ritual um, and they're all trying to hold hold the great old one off as long as possible (laughs) for the ritual to actually, um, occur because yeah, just straight up
3: your party. I mean, yeah,
1: that's a cool idea though, to, uh, to
0: do like an Epic like that.
3: I love the Jason and the Argonauts feel there sort of, (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I failed my 27 i like it and we we've brought it up a few times recently on the podcast that like certain aspects of D D is that like the saver suck sort of things is is always interesting to try and pull those back some because i did it recently where i stunned a, a player for multiple rounds and i was like oh wow that tactically that made sense but from a fun perspective that really wasn't even. I mean, that's not even that fun for me because it was. I didn't have to do a lot. I just said the thing, and then they failed. Um And then they, I don't know, played on their phone for the next twenty minutes because <laughs> what they're like, yeah, that's my turn. Uh, I'm stunned.
2: Don't even get me started on on stunning players in D and D five e, like like spells and abilities that that do that are just the antithesis of one it's i'm a little some a lot of people disagree with me but it's something i think players should be able to do to the dungeon master but not in reverse uh because there's nothing worse feeling as a player than coming around to your turn and going well i don't get to do anything moving on
0: yeah, the Celeste said, you know, Celeste's thing was, I just don't do it anymore. And my thing now is moving forward, I will do it at most for one round unless I am like, re- it is my resources of the monster is wholly spent on doing that. But even then, I don't think I would do it. Mm. But, so now the, so I have an interesting question. I have an interesting question that I had not thought of until right this moment. What would we do? I mean, I guess if we use it as an ender, then it is what it is. What, what would I do if they kill?
3: They if the party manages to yeah like what is even
0: even a like an epilogue based conversation about the ramifications of that being accomplished because my thought is you know often again my 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 go to touch point is certainly the forgotten realms but oftentimes you have a deity be removed and their portfolio sits open until someone else takes that over. The power vacuum that you create because you kill the great old one, like did did you destroy everything? Is that the not fun? Is that the Mass Effect <laughs> ending? Or-
3: <laughs> we talked about this a fair amount when we were making Merca, uh, which is the the uh five E um American uh culture parody setting that uh, snails and i created with a couple of friends of ours i say friends when you spend that much time together it becomes family but uh one of the things you can do there is it's less about destroying the god and more about getting more followers getting more worship and the concept of like an open spot in the elder god's pantheon is a really intriguing idea it almost feels like i want that to be the start of a different campaign right some of, I mean, some of the, our favorite, some of the backstories of my, some of my favorite gods in Faerun or in um, Galarian, which is the Pathfinder setting, are about taking over domain, like some gods taking over domains or like plotting to do it, plotting to do that. So the idea that, oh, that would be an interesting way to motivate, to give your players that power too. maybe someone like Haster or Nyarlothotep or somebody else is attempting to take Cthulhu's spot. That would be a good way to give your party the power to do, to overcome potentially these threshold uh 20 and 30 on the lower stuff, but a threshold 100 on his head. Do that 5,000 points of damage. Be able to put them against Cthulhu and also like give yourself an out for what happens afterward. And what parts of Cthulhu's sort of mythos are innate to him and what are parts innate to the position right this like if haster takes over does the poem become great haster sleeps in a dead relay waiting i mess i'm so sorry to all the uh <laughs> to all the poem all the poetry majors everybody who's out there uh yelling at me that i messed up that line that would be intriguing
0: yeah the other one that made me think of is about 10 years ago there was um avengers versus x-men and one of the storylines in that was the phoenix 5 that the phoenix was showing up and they're like oh well, we'll i'm tony stark i'll figure out how to kill this <laughs> air quote kills it and all it does is separate it into five pieces and each of those pieces end up in five different people so is it that oh man because that can be the 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 echoes of that into a new campaign is the the players become deities but that doesn't mean they're good. Right. I mean, obviously, it depends on how tall they are. But the. <laughs> 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 but but once they have that power, what do they do? What do they do with that power? Um, and you know, setting the next campaign. Um, and even you could have the warlock in the next campaign, or the cleric, or the paladin be to one of the previous players, sort of thing. I
3: think it's a great way to reset to one too. The idea that getting that much power suddenly creates a whole new like a whole new scaling system for you because suddenly you're in a different plane of power and also and it's it sort of soft reboots also to your point about the Phoenix 5 fantastic costumes absolutely oh, yeah. wonderful F- big <laughs> fan of that I haven't thought about the Phoenix 5 in a hot second
0: oh man I, And all I could think when it happened was Show me alternates. Give me a what if. Like what if these other five? Or just just just, just <laughs> someone draw. Draw for draw for me, please. <laughs> well, well, awesome. Okay, so I think I think we've definitely dabbled into what Cthulhu could mean for your D&D game, but I also think that there's more that we have to talk about. So let me I'll say words that get us there. So rather than let these mental gains go to waste, let's head to taking your supplements.
3: Taking your supplements!
0: So today I'm Taking Your Supplements, uh, I don't remember how I found, I, someone told me about you, we were connected, and then I checked out a Kickstarter that you were all putting on. If Viewers, if you could see, I've taken some of the art assets and I've put them behind me because it's very easy to do. And so this Kickstarter is it called Cthulhu Dreamed. And just tell me, I don't, I don't want to, there are enough of you here that I don't need to say much else.
1: Well, Cthulhu dreamt, or Cthulhu. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, it, it is a project, a multimedia project with an original D twelve system and an accompanying soundtrack. Uh, and so many other assets to really kind of immerse anybody who loves the Cthulhu mythos, you know, loves science fiction, loves horror, and wants to dive into that. Um, like, like I said earlier, I'm a composer. My role in this project is to come up with the sound world and uh, develop something that People and uh, like players can listen to whether they're playing the game or they're like driving down the street or just hanging out in a dark room. You know, it's uh, that's that's my forte.
0: I mean, and, and listeners, just so you know, I can identify at least eight instruments and several tentacles behind you. So,
1: <laughs> yes, Cthulhu has invaded my world.
3: <laughs> I love that you can identify several tentacles like, oh, that one's Phil. That's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. That's, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. I went oh, to high I school remember. with you. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> um, read. Uh, I feel like you're sort of not giving yourself enough credit. You create absolutely phenomenal musicscapes. Uh, for the campaign, that's true. You create the whole, you know, musical world in Outer Worlds for sure. But you're also like much of the driving force. You're a lot of the passion behind this project. Uh, and it. Started off with you a little bit, um,
1: yeah. I can. I, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Sorry, like I buried the lead there, but um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Cthulhu Dreamt is a project that I started uh, back in 2020 with uh, some friends of mine. Uh, we got together and, and wrote a an album of metal music, and uh, the the main driving force for me was to kind of pay pay homage to a child that my wife and I lost in childbirth. And really what I wanted to do was, was create world, a story kind of that aligned with my own, where this person in this story was, was grieving a loss, but they were uh, scientific and, tra- and trained in the scientific arts enough that they were able to open a portal to then go to another world and find a replacement which is not what anybody really wants to do i think however when they did this they open you know they they opened the veil which allowed cthulhu to then enter our world when i so so going back to the album you know it's it's the story of or the the music follows the story of this character who who did this and you know the second album follows this period of liminality where Cthulhu is just in our world but hasn't woken up yet and the game is what happens when Cthulhu wakes up
0: you had you had me from from the start as someone who's played drums for twenty years and was a, the metalhead going to all the local <laughs> shows for quite a while. I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm, yeah. I'm all the way in. Nice. So yeah, I was I was definitely drawn. I, I think the other thing that's that's really interesting um, because you're certainly not the only ones to start thinking of what. What does TTRPG look like in a post d world um, we all had to you know we all got the privilege of asking that question here earlier this year of oh I wonder what I wonder what the world would be like <laughs> if this all just crumbles out beneath us and insert Cthulhu but the idea <laughs> of adding um, a, you mentioned a d12 based. Um, System, can we touch on that a little bit? Like, is, or is, you know, is deep mechanically or just kind of like the driving force behind that?
2: Yeah. So, uh, the system Sojourn was developed uh, in house by uh, Adam Buffoni. It's really cool because it is a D12, because the D12 is kind of an underlocked die, but it has more of a focus on the journeying aspect of role playing than necessarily the combat, which does exist. You know, some of the other pillars that the D de- of like the in Dungeons and Dragons you've got like exploration and combat and-, and social and this this system is really more focused around exploration. Um we have a whole journeying mechanic that influences how difficult things are on uh uh like in any given encounter and so uh Brad did you want to kind of break out a little bit more about that? Because I know you've been really in depth with it with and March.
3: So the first thing is uh what we're finding with uh uh Springfield Nocturne, which is the um adventure path that's available on the Kickstarter from the moment you back you can go. You can download the PDFs uh and run it with your friends, is that the D twelve is not necessarily less love, it's just under under love. It's underutilized. Not to correct you snails, except that you're wrong and I hate you. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Oh, we've had, we've had some intense D12 talks on this podcast. <laughs> he, there's someone who, who runs a convention that we always go to, and he is a huge proponent of the D12. He oh, yeah. created a, a B-movie system. Michael from the RPG Academy basically created a, a game centered around the D12, uh, and he called it um, Action 12 Cinemas. So it's about like kind of – and then using that. I mean ultimately my, my boon to the D12 is it makes the best D4. <laughs> because, it does. Because <laughs> – because then you just have, so I have a bunch that are just Roman numerals, one to four, three times on there, and then I don't have to worry about stepping on it the same way. <laughs> there you go.
3: <laughs> Love that. To sojourn a little bit, the focus is on journeying first. Uh, it's also on giving the players agency. So instead of in your classic D&D game, you have, you know, strength, dex, con, int, whiz, ka. Uh, and you've got a score and then a modifier. And so every time I roll with charisma, um, I personally get a minus three because that's just who I am. But, uh, you know, you're, you're adding or subtracting your modifiers necessary. Sojourn focuses on effort. Um, so the idea is that you set a TN. If I'm, if I'm the facilitator, I would say, you know, uh, you guys come to this chasm. You want to jump, you want to try and find a way to get over it. Um, it's going to be a TN six, a target number, a DC then someone says, okay, I'm going to roll for that. Uh, And they do. Presumably they give a little bit of flavor because that's sort of the fun of RPGs, I think. And then they roll and there's no modifier unless they want there to be. So if they roll an eight, fantastic. How do you get over this? You're done. If you roll a four, you've got uh, statistics. You've got strong, cunning, agile, and I won't spoil the rest, not just because I can't remember them. Um, (laughs) uh, But you've got points in those attributes You've got basically each attribute essentially has a pool of points you can spend to up the die, to up the, the roll of the die. So in that way, fate is potentially on your side quite a bit, but also if you're like, man, I really need to succeed on this, you know, every, everyone's down. We really need to, the chips are really down. We've really got to make this one roll succeed. You've got points that you can spend. And I think in that way, I know I've been running a lot of games of D&D or Pathfinder or other systems where um, it comes to a really crucial role and the, the player has a really cool speech they're giving. Where they're like, oh, this is a really sweet idea. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Roll to see if it succeeds. And you know they've got all the bonuses in the world. They just don't roll well enough. That's just they don't have the ability to get themselves there when they need it. So Sojourn is a system that sort of encourages that. It encourages you to put a little bit of effort into it. Cthulhu Dreamt is meant as a sort of survival horror game. In that way, effort itself, when you add that flavor on top of it, it becomes a resource. Effort itself becomes a resource. And we do some stuff with uh, carrying capacity, and we do some stuff with uh, decision-making. And like uh, Snails was saying, it's all about the journey. So there's like weather, easy to implement weather mechanics, stuff like that. But and I've been talking for a while so I'll give someone else a chance but my very favorite thing about the way sojourn works is that with that system you can buy crit successes which means that if it's a tn 11, if it's a tn 10 and i roll an 11 i'm i have succeeded there's just that's one point away from crit succeeding and let me tell you the ability to look at your players and be like do you want to spend a little bit do you want to make that a really dope moment as, from a facilitator standpoint, or as a player, to be able to be like, yeah, I really want to kick this door down, like really kick this door down, is I don't know. It's made for some fantastic moments. Uh, I'm done speaking uh, now. <laughs> and everyone's ears are still attached.
0: <laughs> Brad has been removed from the call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brad has left the. Building. Now, just to flavor
1: a little bit too of what Brad is saying, you know, it's 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 a really cool system as well because as a, from a player's perspective, there's, there's a little bit of that resource management that goes into the, to that as well, because you do have, you know, a pool of points that you can, that you can help your roles out, but you know, if it's getting to be a long day in the game and you know, you're coming up to something, uh, you know, you got to kind of wonder, do I have enough points? Am I going to have enough points left to, to like, make it, you know, to, to the. To where we're going so it, it you know there there are elements of that which are really cool and uh and yeah like the the springfield nocturne game like i i like on the team i am maybe the the least gamer you know gamer person on the team but like it's so fun and you know it it's just a joy to 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 play i, I obviously i'm biased so nobody's gonna take my word for it but <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, i really like the idea of the those resource pools being available because it adds i mean it's always a weird word to say because people get weird about it but the realism the moments of realism that you can add to a game <laughs> where conceptually i guess that's probably a better way to say it like i can better conceptualize the idea that i have had a easy or hard day even though the the thing that I am doing is the same thing that i I typically do from day to day. But the idea that you know I' we're, you know, we're journeying, I come across this cliff, and like you said, the target number is a 10. I roll a ten. All right, cool, done that for whatever reason, you know I can I can say my character sees it is like, boom, got it, done, done, done. And everyone could roll really well. And so then that day, that climb, was easy it was just structured in a way the next place we come to what if we all fail and we're all throwing resources at it and then you change the narrative it can be that thing where we we all collectively talk about that stupid cliff that one time that took (laughs) all our resources then we had to fight something at the top of the cliff that we knew we were supposed to and then we had to just you know dump everything we had the last bits that we had into that battle or that conflict or anything like that whereas the previous day and we just breeze right through it, and even in the same way that a an individual player's character could have an easier day than another's. So yeah, I think it just you know a conceptual realism that <laughs> you know each day can be a different, just despite it being some of the air quote same things.
2: And one of the nice things about the the system is that you do improve over the course of of like our campaign that we have because we have a main campaign. Um, and then we have these spin-off side stories that are kind of like one shots that you can play but during the main campaign you you do play a character that does improve and grow and you get improvement points and you can increase your pools and like get special abilities and such that like kind of make your life a little bit easier but at no point do you ever run into that that problem that kind of happens in dungeons and dragons where you're where you've become a god so your characters always remain kind of at this like base human level they just get better at dealing with things and it as a as somebody who runs a lot of games for people and does do a lot of spooky games, it's nice that like y- even you your characters can have your players can have that progression and that feeling of advancement, but never leave necessarily the the kind of spooky scary uh, vibe that you're going for that that just kind of vanishes in the later levels of, of Dungeons and Dragons,
0: which is awesome because I think that health health points always kind of created a weird sense of what that means and i feel like collectively as like a tt rpg community we've moved more towards like a a ba- like a concept of like oh no i've over like my health points represent exertion my health points represent additionally my mental stamina it's not 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 solely okay cool i can get stabbed 3 more times now that i've leveled up like that's not <laughs> um, <and> so i <laughs> So, I But for a, I feel like, you know, because someone that started in second edition, I feel like really at its at its core, it was hit points equal number of times I can be stabbed. um, And I think that we've worked our way more towards the concept of, yeah, but people pass out all the time and they have not been stabbed. Like that idea of like, how much can I go through? And like you're saying, like you're leveling up and it's not necessarily that you you know your person is bigger or inherently stronger but it's the idea that they can hit they've seen more that they can deal with more things or have better solutions to deal with them rather than again just being able to be stabbed more <laughs>
3: I do often wake up on days and decide like, yeah, I could take four stabbings today.
0: Oh, it was a real one stabbing kind of day. Oh, I, go, I go lay back down.
2: Most of my days are a one stabbing day, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: <laughs> T- theory tested and proven. Yes. Yeah. The other thing I was going to ask, speaking of campaigns, what could a person find on this Kickstarter campaign if they, had a, if they were to head over to Kickstarter?
1: Oh, I mean, there's so much stuff. So... Just like the, the meat and potatoes uh, at any tier you back at, you're going to get like the the base tier. Well, I guess the base tier is technically Lurker, which is for a dollar you get access to all of the add-ons. Um, but like the base uh, digital tier is the a PDF of the book, uh, access immediately to Springfield Nocturne, our spinoff encounter, which is technically a two shot and you get MP3s of the full and complete soundtrack. And then from there, it, it like goes up and gets bigger and better. The, the team is busy finalizing our next preview one shot, which is called Relay in March, uh, which is, you know, available as an add-on or like as part of certain tiers. And then we start getting into the physical, which is, you know, the really cool looking book and a CD version of the soundtrack, as well as like the digital versions of those. And then we get to our Kickstarter exclusive stuff, which is like the book with a really awesome slipcase, which has like a phenomenal piece of art, uh, which uh, one of our creatures from the game and it looks rad as hell. And you also get like the Kickstarter exclusive vinyl, uh, which is something like I'm super stoked about. And I know like the rest of the team is also, but uh, you know, the, the base version of that is a gatefold vinyl jacket. So, you know, double duty as a facilitator screen, which is kind nice. of the intent. And and then, you know, you go all the way up to like our all-in tier, which has like the custom dice, like the custom Kickstarter T-shirt, like all of the really cool add-ons, all the, the versions. And then, you know, aside from the game stuff, we've got like uh, the Entanglement, which is our tie-in novel. It's It's kind of the prequel to the game. So it's like the novel version of that five-year liminality you know and then we've also got like crazy stuff like uh the conductor's score you know for part of the soundtrack we had a couple different orchestras from around the world record some of the music and so uh somebody who is either interested or like this is their life can get a book of the orchestral sheet music and follow along with those tracks and like see you know how everything was written get composers notes on all that but yeah i uh I, like Brad, I've been talking a little bit too long. So if there's anything I missed, guys.
3: <laughs> and then there was one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh,
2: just, just because Reed tends to undersell it slightly, the soundtrack is hours of music, too. It's not It's not like a couple of songs and we're done. It is uh, literally, what was the last the last minute count at?
1: I mean, we're well over three hours at this point, and I haven't even started the ambient music for the main campaign.
2: <laughs> yeah. So like it's it's one of those things where like we're I think for like the CD release we're looking at having to like cut certain songs because there just literally is too much music.
0: Oh, you gotta go buy one of those really old school jewel cases that <laughs> had that weird yeah. middle insert that would break all the time yep. so you can put all the CDs in it. <laughs> There's there's Graham a beard if no one else can tell oh, about
2: this, <laughs> the
0: sentence I just said.
2: Oh yeah, uh, I have one of those in my car actually. My yes, car. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Or the exactly. big
1: fat ones like the Slayer Decade of Aggression live album? Oh man, mm-hmm. so good.
0: Yeah, and as a person who has a uh, a record player that we don't have, to talk about how much it costs. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for the for the vinyl. It's it's almost all I, all I listen to now is either really high-end, and I feel like it, it's just kind of the way things have gone, either really high-end digital files or really well done. Because, I mean, the pressings of modern records, if people don't know, is wild yeah. how far that technology has come because so many people have been invested in it. Uh, this is. I'm gonna throw something <laughs> out at you. So a place to look for like really interesting things to be done because you mentioned having the the case the slipcase be the DM screen equivalent. Um, a place to go look is called Vinyl Moon. So it's a subscription service that basically does um, like sound like almost like a compilation LP that you get monthly. And because of that, they do really interesting things with their the covers that they put things into. Oh, nice. So one. was was like um, almost like had a Chinese dragon like you would see in kind of the parades and things like that and you could build it and then set it on the post so that when the record plays <laughs> it spins the whole time oh uh, that would be awesome kind of rounding us out so where can people go to watch all that you you are doing as well as the best place to go to keep track of course of the kickstarter and then any subsequent things that come out for Cthulhu Drift.
1: Well, the easiest place to go is CthulhuDreamt.com, which currently just forwards right onto the Kickstarter. If somebody's got the time and the willingness to go through the Kickstarter page, it's got links to the Discord for Action Fiction, which is where a lot of uh, people are kind of congregating around the ARG that we have going on right now of which i believe there are still three awards left to be uh handed out or one if somebody can you know if anybody can solve the arg that is currently happening but yeah like action fiction discord is a wonderful place to be uh after supporting the kickstarter perfect
0: we will have and like i said we'll have links to all of that in the proverbial show notes. but with that we'll head out of the gym and we'll turn out the lights and head out of the gym So to do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you you even
2: lift?